Hey everybody, I'm Kate Conroy. And I'm Vinny Civitello. And this is Other People's Business, which is the podcast from the New Jersey Business and Industry Association, the largest statewide business association in the country. We release a new episode every other Wednesday, so be on the lookout for that. Shout out to New Jersey Manufacturers Insurance Group. They do home, auto, and workers' comp, and they are the official sponsor of the show. So check them out if you need some updated coverage. Awesome. Just a couple of housekeeping matters before we get started. This podcast is available anywhere you can get a podcast. That's iTunes, Google Play, Amazon's TuneIn. We even put them up on YouTube if you'd rather watch than listen. We would totally appreciate it if all of you out there would give us a five-star review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you listen to. Like us, comment, just let us know that you're out there having a good time listening to the show, so we'll keep doing it. With that out of the way, our awesome guest today from PFK O'Connor Davies is Pete Flourish. Pete, say hi. Let the audience hear your voice. How are you doing, everybody? Excellent. How good are you? Good to be here. Great to oh, have well. you. Yeah, I've <laughs> nice. been back from vacation, and uh, so I'm starting to get back into things again. So. Okay. Where'd you go? That's always... Go ahead. I was in um, Cabo San Lucas for about 14 days. Very nice. 14 days. That's always the worst coming back that first week, man. That's hard. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, I got some sun, played almost almost 10 rounds of golf. Beautiful weather. Um, almost sunny. 10 rounds? <laughs> is oh, no, a round I, like no. one hole or is a round like the whole 18? <laughs> I was going to play 10, but it just got too, yeah. I needed okay. some sleep, so I didn't play the last day. So nine rounds of golf. That's uh, bad. Beautiful weather. So, yeah. And yeah, Vinny, a round of golf is 18 holes. Okay. okay. Just wanted to be round sure. Because you were like almost 10. I was going to be like, all right. So we kind of cut out like halfway through there. <laughs> yeah. I know nothing. Okay. <laughs> oh my gosh. 10 rounds of golf is very ambitious. That's incredible for a 14-day trip. Anyway. So today's question to start us off is, what are you currently binging? And this can be uh, books, movies, TV, food. Um, I feel like I have so many answers to this question right now, but I don't want to, I don't want to jump in and, and take up all the oxygen in the room. You wanna, who wants to go first? Pete, let's start with you. Oh, I was just binge, binging, uh, NCIS. Okay. I have uh, Netflix and I got through the, I don't know, what is it? The first 15 episodes, the first 15 seasons. Yeah. <laughs> then, I was going to say, I you got a ways to go. <laughs> No, I got through the first 15. And I still got yeah. 16, 17, and 18. But then they started charging me $2.99 an episode for the right. And I'm like, all right, I'll wait till they don't charge me anymore. Yeah. yeah. On Netflix? That's not. It only goes to it only goes through season 15 for for the free ones. You know what? I'll bet. So what are you watching it on like a fire stick or something like that? I have my. Xfinity cable yeah. thing, which not oh, really. I'm well. guessing that you found like the the ones that are yeah available to yeah, buy. The ones that are available, but they're you know 2.99 each. I'm going no, that's yeah. not going to do that. So no. <laughs> I totally was going to say, are you going to get into all the spinoffs? There's another one, right? Yes, there's the uh, NCIS. What did they got? Los Angeles, and then there's New Orleans, um, yeah. which just ended. That was fine. Um, There's like an infinite amount of these shows. It's like that CSI Law and Order. You can just watch them until, you know, the decade well, is over. CSI especially, I think, is coming back. Is um, it really? Yeah, wow. with the original cast members. I know, was it William David. Peterson? Yeah. coming back. Yeah. David Caruso, right? David Caruso? David Caruso was... The original CSI. Was, 
CSI Miami. Oh God, right. The original CSI yeah, was when in he's talking about um, I, you you probably wouldn't know Kate. Have you ever seen Manhunter? He was like the um. William Peterson, right? Uh, yeah, was, yeah. Uh, he was like the guy that when they made the original Hannibal Lecter movie before Hannibal Silence of the Lambs. Correct. He was like the Edward Norton character, you know, F before they remade the movie. Um, and then most people know him from CSI. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember that he quit that show in order to be like a Hollywood, like famous person. And that didn't pan out. Yeah. Never like, works. Everybody watched <laughs> yeah. that gamble and it was just. Well, he came back near the end of the show. I think they had that happy ending, but now they're back. So. Oh, oh. All right, well, he probably good. have had a better chance doing it now like in those days and it's so weird to call like 10 15 years ago those days but in those days there was still that big separation between tv actor and movie actor yeah. whereas now because of you know let's say netflix and disney plus and all that where they're kind of the big thing now the the big stars are wherever they are so uh-huh yeah, it's it's almost more rare to see a big star in a movie now just because of the pandemic and how things have gone with that. True. Yeah. Then how about you, Kate? What you, oh, me? Oh. Um, all right, so I'm going to have an unusual answer to this because I was thinking I haven't been binging anything, but um, I had root canal not that long ago, and for like a nope. month I wasn't able to eat anything cold. You oh. know, like the, the tooth was just overly sensitive. So – I have been binging anything and everything cold recently. It's like the first thing I did after I got out of the dentist office was drive to Wendy's and pick up a, uh, like, they call, I don't know what they call them, the Frosty. Yeah, yeah. I was like, just give me the ice cream, whatever you got. Like, you know? Oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. And with that, I take a sip while Kate talks about hers. Sure. Well, I feel like I've got so my much. nice okay. cold water. Here <laughs> we go. So I finished Lost, finally, and it gave me all the feels. Yeah. just like back in the day in fact i think my favorite episode of that last season might be the the weird fake date that ben and danielle went like he, it wasn't a date but you know he, um what's her face alex was like oh come over mm -hmm. for dinner my mom's making cocoa van yeah. something like cocoa van and they're just oh it was a happy little beautiful perfect little family and in in a another universe that might have been that yeah. but Oh, all the feels I, and then uh, what i was gonna say i i had been kate had been texting me questions because if you watch yeah. lost you're gonna have a lot of them yeah. and uh she had been texting me questions so um especially towards the end i rewatched a few of the episodes especially like the latter episodes just to kind of refresh my memory and i gotta tell you like those last couple episodes i watched them and i cried and cried and cried <laughs> so, really yeah the feels. Oh, yeah. have you I ever watched it? i've never watched one episode oh. of lost I think Te check that it. out whenever you're done with like the multitude of CSI season. Or or how about now, since you've reached the end of the free stuff, you know, go ahead and uh, yes, watch Lost. Yeah. Well, here's another one I never watched. Seinfeld. I've never watched one episode. That's good too. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's okay. I just yeah. never had I don't know. I've always found something else was on during when they were, so I found, I never watched yeah. one. <laughs> it took me a long time to get into Seinfeld because they were all so unlikable and it it took me a long time to understand right. that that was the purpose. They were supposed yeah. to be unlikable people. So, but then, so I finished Lost and then in one afternoon I blew through Loki and the first episode is really fun, like to set up this premise. And I swear I thought Owen Wilson was Bruce Boxleitner. I was like, Scarecrow and Mrs. King back at it. Look at that. But that was oh, nothing. Um, 
And I liked Loki, but part of me was like, so this whole thing was just for Loki to be on a date with himself? Like every episode there was this romantic tension and I'm like, I don't understand what's happening here. It was very strange. It wasn't terrible. Yeah, I don't want to give anything away, but if you're into the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe thing, it's it's a lot more than just he went on a date. <laughs> they set up I know, like, I'm over, everything I'm over. that's going to come for like the next like 10 years got set up in that show. So uh, Maybe I should rewatch it someday. But anyway, and then... Yeah. Uh, Community. I've never watched Community before, but I'm I got hooked, and I'm blowing through episodes of uh, of Community at the end of the night, and I'm loving that show. It's so subversive and silly and funny and just great. Love it. Where can you find it? That is on Netflix. Cool. Yeah, Community College for those of us right. who have never experienced that. It's a lot of fun, apparently. <laughs> so Pete, tell us about PKF. We are um, a large regional firm. I think we're up to, I think, 13 offices now. And we have offices now in Rhode Island, Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, Maryland, and one even in Florida. Um, so we have, I think, close to 130 partners and we, with all people involved, I think we're over 800 people. I may be off a little bit on that. HR may not like my answer, but I think somewhere around that answer. So um, like I said, we have a lot of specialties from just the regular audit. Um, we do commercial, nonprofit, private foundations, golf courses, hotels. Um, you know, we're right now I'm in the middle of doing ERISA audits. Those are like the 401k audits. So if anyone, any plan that has more than 100 participants needs an audit um, to be sent to the IRS Department of Labor. Um, let's see, we also have multitude of taxes, uh, you know, just the regular corporate tax partnerships, uh, nonprofits. And again, the ERISA plans, the 5500s, private foundations, we do a lot of that work on. Like I said, we also do, um, we also have a group that does cybersecurity. Um, Let's see, what else did I have here? You do oh, forensic, Steve, right? I'm sorry? You do forensic accounting, right? Which I've always been fascinated yes, by. Yes, forensic yeah. accounting. So that, you know, we do a lot of work in case there's a, there's a lawsuit involving any kind of so-called fraud or anything like that. Um, we can help with that. We also do business valuations. Um, so what's a, what's a business worth? And we need valuations for different things, especially like for an estate and trust. Um, you know, when you're filling out the estate return with someone's worth, you need to value the business. So we need someone to do that. And again, we're always running, I don't say, I won't say a foul, but we have our, you know, our methodology of valuing business and the IRS may or may not agree with it. And we have to have a discussion. And so for state purposes, you always want the lower value. When you're selling the business, you kind of want the higher value. So, we got to deal with that. Makes perfect sense to me. Um, some of the partners here in the Cranford office, we also have our uh, investment license, which I mentioned uh, once in a while. So we are able to actually um, assist you in your investments. Now we've oh. run across, we've had a, you know, we've been doing this for like 20 years and it's been very successful. I think our clients really like it. We've gotten involved with them when they say, well, what do you own? Um, they give us four or five different brokerage statements and they're basically the same thing in each statement. So let's like, let's kind of bring it together, make one statement 
and then we'll review your investment strategies and see if that's really what you want. Um, being more aggressive or conservative based upon your age and what your goals are. Um, so our clients really have found that to be very useful. And also, it, and, and it gives us another, you know, uh, connection with the client. So not only do their, we do, do their business, do their corporate return, do their personal return, and now we can help them with the investments. That really works out well. Yeah, I remember like, the first time that I realized that you could do investments, and I was like, so wait a second, like you could be my my Roth IRA person, and you can do my taxes, and then I don't have to like get those two people together at the end of the year, and it's just seamless, and you're like, yeah, it was amazing yeah. to me. Yeah, so that's probably one of the more, um, when I say fun things that, about my job, is that it really helps us brings people their goals and that's that's you know um enjoyable to make a, and you know instead of doing a an audit you know it's like we have to do that but to make someone realize their dreams yeah. what's involved yeah. in uh auditing a 401k well we have 401k we have a lot of things most of it is um let's start off with the employees um the employees the further money so the company withholds withheld it and then uh, puts it into the plan now part of the problem that we've run into and the dol is insistent on this is that we have to make check to make sure that the company doesn't hold the money too long meaning the company's not going to hold the money six months and then finally deposit it into the account so they've come up with a rule it's you know it's basically what they're saying is as soon as you withhold the taxes and remit the taxes to the federal government for payments or the state government, that's when the same time frame you should be able to, um, you know, put the deferral money into the plan. Uh, so that's one of the things. Now we have to check for also eligibility because each plan has different eligibilities. You know, you have to be 21. You have to work here six months or a year. Um, so some people, and again, we're doing this just to follow the rules um, because, you know, the plans may discriminate against people and saying, well, we don't really want him in the plan, so we're not going to let him know that he's eligible, but we have to go awesome. check. Yeah. You run across this sometimes. And on the other hand, you do it the other way. So, oh, we want to get this person into the plan, so we're going to allow them in early. And well, neither one of them is, you know, right according to the Department of Labor. So we have to look at eligibility. Have they worked here long enough? Do they have the hours? That's one of the other things. Um, you know, even, um, and then we have to deal with the investments. Now, most 401k plans, everyone is allowed to do their own investments. Now, most everything is online. So you have a multitude of choices, like 401k plan I'm in. I have, oh my gosh, do you have a multiple <laughs> choices? We have 25 different <laughs> funds to invest in. So it's up to us, but we did this online. Um, so then we review, um, what they're in, um, is it their choices that they're in and make sure the money's going into the funds, uh, that they choose. Um, what else? Um, again, compliance, are they following the plan document? Because the plan document is just like everything, how the plan should be run. Um, so we're going to make sure that those rules, regulations are followed, um, even distributions. Now, with a simple 401k uh, plan, everyone has their own individual account. 
So they put the money in and then it's invested. So at the end of the year, you put your deposits in, income or loss, that's your balance. So then when somebody leaves, you know, they want their money. So how much you should be able just to go to the account and just say, oh, here's your balance is, you know, X number of dollars, $10,000 will send you a check. All right, so how do you want it? Do you want to roll it over? Do you want it sent to you? If you get it yourself, there's certain withholding taxes. Uh, so all those distribution um, items, we have to run a check on to make sure that's being done. So there's, um, it's quite an extensive review or you know audit testing of the fund to make sure it's being done correctly. What is the most amount of money the IRS has ever uh, fined somebody that you've seen? The most, um, you know, that's a good question. I really don't know what the most is because what's typical? You know, they can find you um, if you're late with your 5,500. They have fines of I don't know somewhere around a thousand dollars a day up to a certain maximum. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah, in fact, oh I was just dealing with a client who had trouble because they were switching from providers. They went from one payroll company to the other, and I won't mention names, um, but there was a, a kind of a gap between the two companies. And again, in the end, the company um, who sponsors the 401k plan, they are responsible. And they weren't, they didn't really pay enough attention to this. So there were big gaps of data that was just missing. So this was like a 2018 plan. We just ended up filing it just about two months ago or about, yeah, in June. I mean, it it's took a bit late. Yeah, and the Department of Labor threatened them with fines, um, $1,000 a day up to 50,000 and then some additional penalties. So yeah, we're trying to get that abated. So we can also, that's another thing. The tax compliance of a plan, we can review your tax compliance. We have a division or, you know, some people that do that, that work on that kind of area, so. Do you think it is at all possible that filing taxes will ever be so easy that I could do it on the back of a postcard? No. <laughs> no. I don't think so. <laughs> I didn't think so. That's a pipe dream. You just keep the printout and it would of like our tax return and it, it would be like that thick. <laughs> so yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I, you know, even the simple, so-called simple returns, because I had a, a just recently, just something that came across my desk is um, one of the people I was doing a return for, it seemed relatively simple. Um, he was filing a return, he has his son, and his son was, well, did he qualify for, you know, as a dependent or was he head of household? And after all of this, we decided how to file a return and we got back from the IRS, the return was denied because previously without my knowledge, the kid, the son had filed his own return and claimed himself as a dependent. And now it's like, oh my God, now we got to go back and amend the kid's return. And it, it just gets a mess. So Can you claim yourself as a dependent. Is that a thing? Of course you do. Huh. But kids can be claimed as a dependent by the parents or themselves. So if the child claims it, then the parent can't. And the parents obviously are right. probably in a much higher tax bracket and can actually use the dependency more than the child can. Because even a kid, even if he doesn't claim himself and he's only making a couple thousand dollars, 
probably get all this money back. Yeah. So it's it gets a little complicated. So it's not just as easy as, you know, on a cocktail napkin or a matchbook cover and send it to the IRS and get your check. So it should be, but yeah, we're not there. No, we're not there yet. And every year I feel like they come out with different rules. Like, don't they update the tax code every, it feels like every year, maybe I'm wrong. Well, there are certain rules that go into effect every year and certain things that have to be certain rules that are extended or, you know, um, or end. Uh, the estate taxes. I mean, they've they've changed so often. Uh, it used to be a million dollars. Now I think it's you know, close to five million, maybe a little more. And then because married couples were able to do that together, we were able to take um, their basis and include it in the surviving spouse. So they have a much higher basis. So the rules change. Certain rules, you know, like when when Trump put this when he was elected. He put this limitation on the deductions uh, for taxes, and it really did cause a lot of um, heartache, and I think less deductions for people in New Jersey just because we have our, our state taxes, real estate taxes are so high. Um, so that actually gave people, uh, reduced their amount of itemized deductions, and they actually had to pay a little more money. So yeah. things like that. It's interesting. All right, well, I think we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to play a game. And we're back, and it is now time to play a game called Awfuler Awesome, which today is brought to you by One Team Financial. I'm going to name three things, and we each have to decide quickly if they're awful or awesome, and be prepared to defend your answers. Ready? Ready. Sure. First up is night classes, and I am going to fall down on... I, I can't decide because I am somebody who needs my sleep. Like I am usually in bed no later than 8:30 at night because I wake up so early in the morning. I think right. I would. I think I would be a disaster if I tried to do night classes at this point in my life. Um, but when I was in my 20s, I think that they would have been invaluable if I'd wanted to continue to go to school. So I, I have a really hard time coming down awful or awesome on this one. What do you think? Um, I'm. All right, let's go awesome. Just because in the earlier years, yeah, it gave me, when I was in Ryder College, it gave me the opportunity to do classes, so it saved me some days. So instead of doing two classes during the day, I did one at night. It was three or four hours, but you get through it, and then you go hit the pub, but still. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it really did help the scheduling, um, you know, because it actually freed up a day, so I actually go do some work. So, yeah, I, I was yeah. I was good with the night classes. Yeah. I'm going to go awful. Not because, you know, doing stuff at night is bad, but just because of the format. I don't know if it's the same now. When I was in school, the night classes tended to be three hours, one day a week. And what was hard about that was even though I am nocturnal and I kind of like do my best at night, um, there's only so much I can, and it depends on the professor, but there's only so long you can really concentrate on one thing. Yeah. Three hours of a lecture can either be really good depending on the professor or it can just be awful. And if it's right. just like a monotone lecture for three hours, it's not only hard to kind of keep that focus for that long, but it can also be tough if you're kind of falling behind. Like let's say you had that class spread out over the week. Then you've got an hour 
and maybe you were having trouble with one of the things in that hour and you figure that out during the homework or you go to the professor and you say like, hey, I need some help on this. But if if at the end of that three hours, there was something in hour one you were struggling with, you know, that's a whole week of class that you're going to be kind of, you know, behind on. So, yeah, I never liked it. Yeah, I like it in theory, but I'm in theory, yeah. in theory. Yeah, I, I don't think I would succeed at it. Well, All right. let me just a little bit. Um, when I graduated college, we had what they call a CPA review course. And I graduated in June, started class in, graduated in May, started in June, and the exam was November. So our nights were 6, 15 to 10 o'clock, two nights a week. And then starting in October, it was three nights a week. So yeah, night classes, yeah, they fit the bill for that. Yeah, four hours. Oof. I, oh, <laughs> yep, I'm trying yep. to think like how much coffee, how much Red Bull, how much, how much drugs would I need to stay awake? And I don't mean drugs. I don't. I mean like, you know, manufactured chemicals that that I would have to drink. Sure. Oh. All right. <laughs> uh, next up, sleeping yeah. on a plane. And for this one, I would say, nice work if you can get it. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, awesome in theory. I the only the only way that I've ever been able to do it and not well is if again drugs. You know, little. Little Zanny before takeoff. I can't do it. I uh, I tried. I I wish I could, especially on the longer ones. But um, now, even with the drowsy medication, I, the best I can do is kind of like my eyes closed, wanting to sleep, aware of my surroundings, but you know, definitely awake. Yeah. Yeah, sleeping on the plane's not for me. Uh, I just can't do it. You know, it's just like I'm kind of even getting on the plane. Usually it's on vacation lately. So I'm kind of excited about where I'm going. So to try to sleep, nah, I, I, I don't do that. Um, besides, I'm either reading a book, watching a movie, doing something, one of the apps you're using. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so wish... it's not really at night. So, you know, right. people have the windows open. I'm sitting in the aisle, so I can't sleep. So the windows open? To... Oh, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> The shade is open, yes, I'm sorry. The light is coming in through the window. Maybe next time I'll try to take the drowsy medication like as the plane is going down. Because that's the hardest part of the trip for me is just the point where the plane is going down to the point where you actually get off the plane is like an hour, you know? And it's just, it's rough. I'm just like, let me off. You know, we're on the ground. Let me go. So right. that would be the part I wish I could sleep through. Are you the guy who unbuckles the seatbelt as soon as the wheels hit? It depends on oh, whether okay. or not I think I could maybe like if I think I can get up, get my thing, and maybe get out, fine. But like you know, it depends. You know. Yeah. Uh, All right. Next up, scalpers, and I don't mean like uh, haircuts. I mean like uh, ticket scalpers. Pete. Yeah, no, not a big fan. No. Yeah. Me neither. It's awful. I don't know how they do it, but they're able to buy a lot of tickets and then jack up the price and maybe there are more maybe you consider it entrepreneurial but it's still you know they're making the money off you know the dishonest way i would consider it yeah. so now a big fan. Yep. it's as awful as it gets all the hate that i have in my life i wish towards scalpers which <laughs> is how it is like this has been a particular problem during the pandemic because everybody's kind of looked at scalping as a way to make money. And um, 
it really hurts the people that actually care about the thing that you're trying to make, you know, a quick buck on. Like we've had a, a chip shortage basically all pandemic long and I'm a techie and there's a bunch of techie stuff that I would love to pick up every so often, but I can't because just about everything has been like this big scalper issue from the start. If you're not there the second it goes on sale and even then you're not guaranteed to maybe get it like because these scalpers figure out a way to get in there before it opens up. It's just, it's, it drives me crazy. And it's yes. been something I've had to deal with all pandemic long. Anybody out there who's been trying to get a PlayStation 5, my heart goes out to you. Things been out for like a year now and nobody can buy it. Wow. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. No idea. Yeah, because like the scalpers go in, they buy them all, and then they charge, you know, $500 more than the thing really costs. So that's crap. Yeah. They had an interview. I, I wish I remember where I saw it, but there was an interview with one of them, like a, a journalist interviewed a scalper. And they said that they were doing everybody a service because <laughs> by charging, yeah, exactly. By charging <laughs> such an upcharge for their, you know, the PlayStation 5, they guarantee that you can buy one because all you then have to do is pay $500 more than what it really costs. So then clearly at your leisure, you can just go in and get it. And I'm like, you should be tarred and feathered for that. Yeah. Just like, you know? <laughs> That's not capitalism. That's horrible. That's harsh. It's horrible. Yeah. All, all the anger in my heart goes out to them. <laughs> I have a friend actually who was in New York and he, he wanted to go see a game. It was either Madison Square Garden or, yeah, I think it was, he was outside of Penn Station going into Madison Square Garden and just by chance, there was a guy there that he thought was a scalper and it turned out to be a cop and he was like tickets 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 and my friend was like yeah you know I, I wouldn't mind going to this game how much how much are they and he literally got arrested because the guy the scalper was a cop and he got a ticket and ended up having to schlep three months later schlep back into new york for court for this ticket that he got because a fake scalper, an undercover police officer. So like, isn't that entrapment? Against, yeah, entrapment. Isn't that against the law? <laughs> no, it's, okay. That's enticing it's, him to commit a crime. Yeah, so it's only isn't against it? the law if you say to the person, are you a cop? And they say, they have to say, yes, I am. If you yes, don't yes. initiate that, then they've got you. That's a pro tip for all of our listeners out there. <laughs> yeah. Ask them if they're a cop first. Are you a Member of law yeah. enforcement. There I don't know go. if it's only is that only illegal, and I don't mean like the entrapment part. I mean the um the actual scalping. Is that only illegal for tickets, or are all of these people who are selling PlayStation fives for nine hundred dollars, you know, creating crimes? That I can't be right because you're just I don't yeah. Know. This seems wrong. It's, it is yeah. wrong. It's it's as wrong as it gets. Yes. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't know how I don't I don't understand the ticket piece of it. But yeah, I think I think that the ticket lobby, like Ticketmaster, has probably lobbied government hard enough in the past that it is against the law, because mm -hmm. Ticketmaster is a big enough organization. They would want people to buy tickets from Ticketmaster as opposed yeah. to on the street in front of the venue. Um, but yeah, I would be interested. I don't know that it is. A, it, yeah, of course it's the law. I don't. I yeah, I don't know. Mm. Anyway, I think that's the game. That was really fun. And Thank you, One Team Financial, for letting us play it. <laughs> Pete, do you have any advice for people coming up behind you in the CPA field? You know, um, now I've been in this firm 
So in the number of, oh my God, I can't believe it's been 34 years. Wow. Um, same firm, changed names many, many times. So, but the one thing I've noticed, um, you know, is the people, um, men, women, to get graduate and want to be accountants, first thing to do, the best thing to do is maybe put your life on hold for a little while, even a year, but get ready, take the CPA exam and pass it as soon as you can. Because I've seen too many people who have their careers kind of got stuck in a place because, you know, some firms require you have to have the CPA in order to move up to like manager or partner or something like that. Um, and it does take some effort. Like I was mentioning earlier, the time I spent uh, with the CPA review course, but that is that time is well spent because if you get it done in the first couple of years, uh, before you get the significant other, wife, husband, children, um, you're so much better off because trying to study when you have a two-year-old uh, during tax season, uh, it does cause some. In- angst and um you know long hours besides during tax season we're working 45 50 hours so before you even get to that study for the cpa exam and pass it to be much better off well that's really good advice so. so we have that and we have don't try to buy tickets on the street and those there are the two go. great pieces of wisdom <laughs> we are imparting to our listeners this week All right. <laughs> anybody wants to get a hold of you how could they do that um the website for the firm is uh, pkinfod.com. Uh, I can be reached at um, uh, pflourish at um, pkf.com. Um, so reach out. The website's out there. It has a list of all our services, uh, has a list of all the partners, and how to get in contact with them. Before we started, you were actually telling us you guys do webinars and stuff on there, right? Yes, we do. Uh, again, on the website, it'll give us um, give you a, a list of the items that we're presenting, um, usually in now webinar form. Um, and we talk on a variety of subjects, you know, like, again, uh, cybersecurity is a big one, uh, issue like that. We do also seminars on, you know, private foundations, um, certain taxes, international taxes. So, again, there's a lot of a lot of information out there. We provide it to you. Sounds awesome. Yeah, I think that's the show. I think that's the show. Yeah. Thank you to our listeners, especially the subscribers. We really appreciate the support. Thank you to New Jersey Manufacturers Insurance Group, the official sponsor of the show. They do home, auto, and workers' comp, so check them out. And finally, thanks to Pete Flourish of PKF O'Connor Davies for joining us today. It was such a treat. Kate, Vinny, thank you very much for inviting me on the show. I really enjoyed it. Our pleasure. See you next time. Bye.